0: Welcome everybody to this week's edition of Unleashed. I'm your host, Jeff Tetz, CEO of Results. Uh, We are an organization that is committed and dedicated to helping people and organizations unleash their potential. And that's really the genesis of this weekly series is to bring you tools, strategies, ideas, provoke thoughts, and expose you to world-class thought leaders and researchers uh, like we have today. And the hope is that uh, not only will it help you to generate some ideas and and some discussion points for yourself and your own organization, but you'll actually be able to apply those things into action and uh, and actually make them become a reality in your everyday habits. Ultimately, leading in change and transformation. So I want to thank everybody for joining us. This is our uh, our fourth episode, and they continue to pick up steam. And that's thanks uh, in part to our wonderful speakers, and then also to the amazing uh, audience of, uh, that keeps joining. Uh, joining in every single week and spreading the word and uh, the one ask that I have of everybody is as you join in on these sessions on a weekly basis uh, as you have key lessons and things that you're learning and picking up and tools and tactics if you can share those with the world and one of the ways you can do that is jumping on Twitter and using the hashtag results unleashed and what ends up happening is we create a bit of a catalog of ideas that we can share and sharing ideas and information is uh, is really important right now the other thing that you can help us with is just spread the word in your own communities. Get your colleagues to sign up, get, uh, get other people that you know from the community, even friends and family that you think might benefit from these weekly sessions. We want to make these as interactive as we can. And so I want to stress that there's two places that you can add comments. So there's the regular chat box, which is more of a social uh, chat dialogue area. But if you want to get a question in for Dr. Karen McNeil, you have to do that in the special Q&A box. So if you look at the bottom menu, you will see a Q&A box. You can ask your questions there anytime you like. If we don't get to your questions, you can email us anytime at info at unleashresults.com. We'll, uh, we'll get back to you promptly and we'll make sure that we get those questions over to Karen if we don't have a chance to answer them today. And uh, you also may see our, uh, our show producer, Sean Fitzgerald, posting comments from time to time. In the, uh, in the chat area, uh, he's, uh, he's the magician that pulls the strings behind the scenes and makes this all come together. Uh, the other ask that I have is when the show is over, uh, please refrain from closing your browser completely. There, what'll happen is there will be a click, uh, there'll be a continue button in the bottom left. If you click the continue button, you'll actually be able to provide us with some feedback, a score and some qualitative data. And it's really important to us because we want to ensure that these sessions are highly useful for you so that you keep coming back and these actually lead to some change and some transformation for you and your organizations. Uh, So now on with the show. So today we are so excited to be talking about the resilient leader, how to be well and Excel. And I think the timing of this topic could not be better now that we're, uh, we're seven weeks into this crisis locally. Uh, My co-host today is my dear colleague, Christy Benoit, and she's, of course, a business execution specialist with results. She provides coaching, training, and advisory assistance to senior leaders and their teams as they strive to build successful organizations. She's got over 15 years of experience, doesn't look like it, I know, uh, of experience in business leadership and business ownership, and uh, she's never met a vulnerable conversation she didn't run to. And this week's special guest to us, we're very, very privileged to welcome Dr. Karen McNeil. She's a sport and performance psychologist with over 20 years of experience helping Olympians, business leaders and organizations consistently bring their best in high performance situations. Karen has the unique experience of having competed and consulted on the world stage. So she's had a chance to see both uh, both sides of it. And she's worked with athletes at the last four Olympic Winter Games, and she uh, competed herself on the international level for over 10 years at the 2018 Olympic Games, in fact. Dr. McNeil was the lead mental performance consultant for the Canadian Olympic Committee, and she's gonna uh, actually uh, perform the same role at the 2021 Olympics in Japan. And Karen uh, is really the beneficiary of thriving from a broad scope of practice, taking lessons learned from elite performers along the way to her work with businesses and organizations in her role as a consultant, speaker, and a psychologist. And she's one of the founding partners of a breakthrough uh, application called Headversity. It's a mental and wellness tech company that measures and trains resiliency using actual data and science in the workplace. And she's worked with many uh, Fortune 500 companies. If you go to their website, you can actually uh, take uh, take the online demo, which I signed up for last night. So I'm looking forward to that. Her passion and drive for helping others to be their best also translates into her life as a mother, wife, an outdoor enthusiast. And she was recognized by Avenue uh, Magazine in Calgary as being a top 40 under 40. Dr. McNeil is gonna talk to us today about high performance leadership. And one of the things I love most about her is her personal philosophy about caring deeply, being brave uh, and driving your best to make a difference. So Karen, it's an interesting time for us to be talking about resiliency. And, and I think what, what we're seeing is uh, the first sort of 10 days of this crisis, people were kind of in shock and and they were just busy trying to make sense of what was happening. So contingency planning, scenario planning, uh, a range of emotions, but really just focused on sort of survival personally and and professionally. And and then there was like this settling out where there was just like, okay, we're back to work, we're focused, let's get stuff done, uh, let's rally together. But now I'm finding even just in the last week, there's like this sense of frustration, like um, people are fed up with this. And, okay, I, I did it for a while, but now I'm done with it. Let's go back to the way things were, uh, the social distancing, the flattening the curve. Yeah, yeah, I get it, but I'm, I'm just frustrated and I'm, and I'm worn out from this whole thing. So I think it's such a great time for us to, to talk about resiliency. So why don't you walk us through some of your research and experiences and your framework?
1: Sounds good. And I, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge what you just said there because what you did, Jeff, is you acknowledge the psychosocial disaster response model. In what you described, hit it to a T, which is we have the heroic phase where we all get together and, and we try and figure it out. We have the um, honeymoon phase where, okay, we're going to get resources from the government and this is going to be okay. We're in the disillusionment phase where people start to get frustrated, and, and that's what I've noticed with my call is hitting that wall, or with my clients is they're hitting that wall, and then we go into that rebuild. So this is really timely to talk about resilience in how we can work through this disillusionment phase of that model, so very well put, and there's actually science behind what you just said. All right. Okay, so let's, uh, let me pull up my screen here. You guys can see that okay, Jeff?
0: Yeah, yeah it's coming up now. Just have okay. to hit the presenter view. Perfect.
1: Okay, perfect, good. Good. Great, well, thanks so much. Um, Well, I'll jump right into it. And and I think just in terms of structure, um, I really like to have a conversation with you than at you. I'm gonna present for about 25, 30 minutes, but I'm gonna get you to do a few things as I do that and ask some questions. Um, So we'll have a bit of a dialogue. Um, And then after uh, we'll go through some some Q&As, as as Jeff said as well, but uh, a great pleasure to be here to, to speak to you about operating as a resilient leader. And really, that is about how to be well, so how do we protect our uh, mental health and how to excel? so how do we um, maintain our leadership effectiveness during this time and if you 're anything like me, you have been running at a at a fast pace, and so one of the objectives of this um, of this webinar is I want to create a bit of a time for some pause and reflection and really get a sense of. You know, what is my leadership brand? Um, and, and get real clarity on how I wanna show up. Once we have that clarity, let's build some capacity. And so wanting to impart with you some, some tips on taking care of our mental health and in addition some tools in terms of how we can be high functioning. So to start, I'm gonna share a story of, you know, it's an unsung sung hero and, and, and absolutely um, a resilient leader. And, and, and let's go back to 1914 with Ernest Shackleton. And he was an Irish-born British um, explorer, and he led the infamous Endurance Expedition. And so if you've not heard of this one, it's basically Shackleton took about a 28-member crew and um, set sail from England, wanting to be the first um, to transverse the um, Antarctica coast-to-coast. Well, they get in about five months, six months into it. um, They end up in the Walden Sea and get stuck in the ice pack. And then they're on the ship for months and months and months. And then the ice pack um, actually um, cracks the boat and it sinks. So then the 28 member crew is is floating on these ice blocks. Um, And that lasts for months and months and months. And then they found somehow, I don't know how they found the lifeboat, but they got a lifeboat, found some lifeboats and ended up getting to what's known as Elephant Island, uninhabited, uh, no shipping lanes. And so there they are. Um, Shackleton knew this was not a sustainable situation. So he got a team of about five individuals and set out into the unforgiving sea. Just imagine in this little lifeboat, um, finally coming up to a whaling station and they mounted a rescue mission and astonishingly all 28 members survived this 16 month ordeal. And so when we look at that and when we look at how um, he literally had to try and navigate unchartered waters, just like what we are in. And when we, when, we, when we pull some lessons, it's not only a story of survival, but an incredible story of resilience and the ability to navigate unpredictable conditions, which is what we find ourselves in today. So let's pull a few lessons from Shackleton. Number one is um, the ability to um, learn to respond in changing conditions. We are facing a brave new workplace and we need to adapt to it. Number two, focusing on the controllables. He had his members, even though it didn't really mean much but he had them with their roles and the responsibilities and they had their daily thing they needed to do in addition to building up their resilience. And number three, inspired optimism. And so um, looking and scanning for what's good. So when it was sunny, he'd get them out and make sure they experienced that sunshine also creating a positive um, uh, vision for a future template, right? So, so pulling from Shackleton, this is what I wanna talk to you guys about today. We are in uncharted waters. This is an unprecedented event and there's no rule book. So how do we navigate it? It's really about building up the resources in ourselves. So my objectives really, I wanna talk a little bit about this brave new workplace and resilience as a solution secondly i want to um there is a rise in mental health there's a spike and and so i want to i want to acknowledge and make us be aware of this but also how do we protect that and then lastly let's go on the performance side i had a um colleague uh say a crisis is a terrible thing to waste there's so much growth and development that can occur during this time so let's make sure that you're maximizing that so if we look at this brave new workplace. And and, and this is something that Headversity, um, we've we've come to talk about. And in early March, we experienced what will become to known as where were you when moment. Um, The World Health Organization uh, declared a pandemic and we had to adjust and adapt. Once again, unprecedented situation without a rule book. And it demanded leaders to be resilient and be role models the high unpredictability um, and uncertainty, it's going to breed anxiety um, and different reactions. And so so with this, we need to make sure that we're taking care of the mental health, but in addition, helping people navigate. The Brave New Workplace, um, it's a mentality, and there's a few attributes that that we need to adopt and consider as we take Shackleton's first, uh, first lesson of adapting to the new conditions. So so within the brave new workplace, we are enabled by technology. We have things on the cloud. We have video conferencing technology. We have training in our fingertips so that people are resourced. So as a leader, how does that change how you lead? How can you use technology to improve your effectiveness? So it's something to consider there. Secondly, we're unfazed by uh, remote working conditions. And so pre this, you'd get to work at home and you'd do some virtual things, but majority we're all together. And so in the brave new workplace, we can work anytime, anywhere. And we're unfazed by that because we're set up for those conditions. So as a leader, how do you lead a virtual team? That's how you need to adapt to this. And lastly, it's embracing embracing, um, uh, the new routine. And so there's opportunities. We don't have commute times. Um, we don't have traffic. Um, we're, cl- we're, you know, we're around family a little bit more. The double edge work and home have now become seamless. And so, so with that, we need to embrace the new routine, but we also have to navigate the challenges that come with that. I had one executive who showers, um, eats breakfast with his family, and then he goes outside, opens the door, walks around the block and then comes back to his office. So he just commuted. It tells the family, I'm, I'm now going to work. And, and then he goes into his home office. So there's, there's some creative ways in which we can break this. And these are some of the things um, that we wanna be talking about. And so I think the big thing with this, uh, we got to remember is with this Brave New Workplace, yes, we have to step into it and we have to adapt to the changing conditions. We also have to acknowledge um, the reaction that could be produced by it. The uncertainty, the unpredictability, anxiety, overwhelm, stress levels are elevated. And so one thing I wanted to to alert you to is what we're referring to as, uh, or or what's being referred to as the echo pandemic. Um, And so we had the physical health and we're trying to flatten that curve. Well, the echo pandemic is the, what we may see in the mental health spikes that's going to follow this in three to six months time if we don't take care of it in the moment. And so leading mental health authorities um, and advocates are, are asking for more resources and fun to be put into this. So if we just look at this number, the Canadian Mental Health Association in Nova Scotia normally gets about 25 calls a day. They're up to 700 in this period. And so once again, as a, as a um, practitioner, as someone in this field, that makes me nervous. We do not have the numbers to meet the demand. And so this is why we started Headversity in the first place. A psychiatrist and myself saying there was a, a resource issue. Um, in addition, we need to get a front of it. Instead of being reactive and attending to mental illness, let's be proactive and preventative and equip people with the skills and tools to protect their mental health. And so one way that we can do that is essentially um, to build our resilience. And so when we look at resilience, you've heard this term before, and there's, oh, another resilience talk. And, and I used to be that way until I really dug into the science of it and realized this is what I've been doing for the last 20 years with all of my clients in business and in, in high performance sport. And so resilience, one, one kind of definition we've heard is that ability to bounce back. Right, so something happens to us. We're resilient. We bounce back, which which can be part of it, and we can learn from that. However, where we're looking at it, it's it's more of a proactive construct. So re- resilience is that ability um, to withstand that pressure because we have the personal assets, we have the awareness about ourselves, we have the tools. So when we come faced with something, um, we're actually ready to adjust and pivot and navigate. Um, it's when, when, we, when we look at it as well, I think there's a misnomer that resilience is, is um, only for special people or high performers. Um, resilience isn't, is, is for everyone. Um, there's also a misnomer that resilience is a fixed trade. We can build resilience. And I think the other thing that what resilience is not is it's not um, stoicism and suppressing emotions. It's feeling those emotions. It's using that emotion as data to help us navigate our world. And so when we look at my world, um, you know, in high performance sport, we have, um, you know, let's take the ski racer for instance. And if I'm preparing an individual for the Olympic games, I'm not preparing her for this beautiful, nice sunny day where the conditions are perfect. I'm preparing her for the snowstorm and the minus 20, and you're in the gate, You get a hold because the athlete in front of you just got airlifted from the track. Now go and put 10 years of your life of training and execute in this moment. So it's really about that readiness. And so at adversity, that's our definition, is really looking um, as resilience as that readiness to face adversity. And doesn't it feel like this some days where we just have this perpetual headwind Right, we have constant demands. We have um, competing priorities. We have budget issues. We also have an exciting presentation where I get to deliver, and I want to show up for. So it's not just about um, adversity being a bad thing. I needed resilience for childbirth. I needed resilience. Well, my husband needed resilience for our wedding, right? So, so it's that it's that readiness um to face whatever comes our way. But we have the skills and abilities to handle that, and so. Really, it comes down to, in my mind, when I, when I break it down, training the gray. Train the gray matter of your mind. Um, it's that whole idea, when we look at our, 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 our biggest um, asset right now, in my opinion, is your mind and your ability to think and think clearly. How much time do we actually put into training it? And so this resilience model that we've developed uh, through headversity comes from a combination of being in the field and in the trenches and and seeing what high performers, how do they handle rugged environments? Um, My business partner, one of them is is a psychiatrist. So on that side and seeing people endure difficult conditions and how do they evolve? And so this model comes from practically informed, science driven, in addition to all the science and research out there. So when we look at the six point model that we have, is it all starts with you, having a high level of self expertise. Who are you at the core? What what drives meaning and purpose? What's your brand? How do you wanna show up consistently? But also what's that superpower? What's the strength I have that I can use in these difficult conditions? In addition to knowing how we respond to stress. So we'll be talking a little bit about that today. Mindfulness simply put the ability to be here now. And and that's where I think in this condition, we can get caught with um, uh, future and um, catastrophic thinking, bring us back to this present moment so we can engage with what is versus how we want it to be. Mental fitness, we are human beings we are going to normally react and explode and and have these emotional reactions. So giving us some tools um, to to help us temper and manage that so it doesn't impact performance or behavior, like focus, poise, confidence. Mental health. And really this is about um, understanding mental health. Um, Where are we at on a continuum? It's not an all or nothing thing and exists on a continuum. What can we do to boost our mental health? We know what we need to do physically, What do we need to do mentally in addition how do we create a culture of care and decrease that stigma so people can get the resources they need hardiness which i'm going to go over today is the ability to endure difficult conditions so the three c's of hardiness i'll I'll discuss and then building up optimism it's a trainable skill in addition to building bravery and then lastly energy management How do we sustain this effort over time? And especially with this work-life balance, um, being at home, how do we make sure that we're um, um, regulating appropriately? And so I'm gonna be going over hardiness and energy management in addition to kind of touching on all of these things. And once again, in this technology world, you'll see our little app in the corner there, all of this, what we've done is we put it on, so you have your own personal resilience trainer. So, what I hope to do today is give you a bit of a teaser and a tool with some of these things, get you thinking about about how you can bring it to um, to yourself and your organization. Excellent. So, with that, um, Jeff, is there any questions that have come up yet?
0: Well, there's there's still I had one just listening to you talk about some of these high level tools, and <clears throat> I think it's interesting that we're living in a period of time where there has never been such an abundance of access, of free information. Yeah. Any, any challenge, any problem, any situation that we find ourselves in, we can go to Google and we can find some often very credible resources. Right. And yet, like what we're finding in the world of work is that uh, culture is getting worse, not better. And, and businesses are executing at a lower level, not a higher level. And, and I think there's a lot of reasons for that. But my question was, what all of the athletes know these tools. What separates the athletes that actually can apply the tools and live it versus the ones that seem to not have that ability?
1: I think, and with everything, as you've probably seen at results, um, buy-in and, and, and understanding that actually um, this is important and it's important for not only for me to be my best, but actually just for my general functioning. And so the the ones who who have it, who have really identified is, you know, um, real clarity of where it is that they wanna go and knowing that this is a piece that is gonna help get them there. And so if I ask, you know, the audience that we have today, when you think of, um, you know, one of the things that derails you as a leader or derails you, you know, just functioning in this moment, is it your technical skill? Is it, is it your stamina and your physical, or is it is it your mind, right? And most people would kind of gravitate towards that. So, so I think it's that, um, that buy-in and really seeing the importance and then just being disciplined. Training the mind is discipline, right? So as you say, there's so much information coming in right now. So I think in this presentation, what we wanna do is pick your focus. And, and you can look at that as A, either what do I feel I have an opportunity to develop more or B, what am I noticing getting in my way? For me right now, it is it's it's the balance. I'm I'm just overloaded. So I've had to make a concerted effort of focusing in on recovery right now, for instance.
0: Yeah, excellent. Christy, I know you had some thoughts on this as well.
2: Yeah, well, there's a there's a question from Mike Sorchin with Titan Logics, which I think is is relevant here. He was asking, he says resilience tends to take time and many experiences to develop. And um, he's wondering, is there an accelerator to it? Is there something you can do to
1: yeah, that's a really good 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 question and so I think the other thing we've got it like with resilience it's a person environment fit and so so it's experiences it's over time and then we, we get this almost you know through those experiences we develop these tools we develop these insights Um, but really the accelerator is doing the work developing some of these tools specifically training your mind Um, so within each of these there's 22 lessons which I'll be showing you a little bit later Um, but if you are equipped it's almost like it's almost like that mental fitness golf bag. Okay. So you go golfing and if you use your putter for every shot, you're not effective, right? If you develop your, your self-expertise club, your calm club, your focus club, your, and so if you have this arsenal, this bag that you carry with you, you are ready to change before the change happens. So I would actually argue, I don't know that you do need the experience, I'm not, I'm not denouncing experience. I think absolutely for building confidence. However, the accelerator is do some of this work, equip yourself. Then when you're in those experiences, you navigate, you build even more confidence and resilience.
2: Yeah. So as with most good things in life, there's no quick, there's no quick fix. It's a no hack.
1: Yeah. You <laughs> got to do the work. Yeah. I, I'd love there to be a hack, but, uh, and, and that's the thing. When we do the resilience trainer, we, it's five minutes a day. Like it's kind of five minutes each day doing these tilt and, 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 and Pete Carroll, um, Seattle Seahawks, he talks about, and and, and Mike Gervais who works with them, the sports site, he talks about dripping it in, drip it into the culture, right? So little, little things, little, you know, it doesn't have to be this two week program I'm going to do. And then I'm resilient. It's these little things you do consistently, but, but back to your point, Jeff, with the athletes, with, with, with the high performing leaders and, and employees and people is they have a routine to it, right? There's, there's, um, um, there's a systematic approach, and it just then becomes seamless. You don't have the cognitive load to think, "Oh, I got to go do this now." It just kind of happens within it.
0: Yeah, excellent. Yeah, great, great question, Mike, and thank you, Christy. All right, let's uh, let's keep uh, let's keep moving on, Karen.
1: Well, let's. Uh, I have a question for the audience, actually. So, um, your turn to do some work. Um, and so. We talk about resilience and we're really focusing this on leader. If you're not a leader, just put resilient employee, resilient mom, whatever, whatever your context is. But I think the thing is, is, is when we think about this, we want to think about it in terms of really getting clarity and defining it. Okay, well, what is a resilient leader? Because these words can be abstract unless you make meaning of them. So, you know, it's really looking at what are those key attributes of a resilient leader. And, and to me, it's about the ability to withstand the pressure, um, and be able to be responsive to any condition. And there's a whole bunch of things that can go into that, right? And so what I'd like you guys to do right now, there's two key questions I have. During this phase, during this pandemic, what are the key attributes of a, of a resilient leader? So answer A, who am I at my best? So what are those attributes, or what are those descriptors or whatever for who I'm at my best? So. Only come up with three to five. Don't make it a long list. And then what is needed to rise in this context? Okay, so for me at my best, I am present. I'm, um, I'm responsive. I'm organized. Um, you know, I'm, I may be able to um, um, make sure that I'm, I'm uh, creating a clear vision. In this context, I need to be aware of people's starting point. And so, uh, Jeff, you said earlier we're un- more unproductive, as we should be, and mm-hmm. we need to kind of allow a little bit of room for that, and not expect people to function as they did because this isn't the same context. So, what is needed to rise in this context? So, so come up with your rel- your list of um, a resilient leader is essentially by answering: Who am I at my best? What are a couple, you know, um, signposts for that? And and maybe that one additive of what do I need to do to rise in this context? So what's specific to this context that I actually need to add to my list to be a resilient leader?
0: Oh, that's excellent. And, and Karen, while people are doing some work, I should, uh, I should just let people know that uh, we, as a follow-up uh, to say thank you for the attendees, we're actually going to be offering a, a, a complimentary workshop for leadership teams to do some of this work together, some leadership work, some leadership discussion, make their own lists and share their lists with each other so that they better understand each other and they better understand themselves so they can take some action to build a cohesive team. So we want to we sort of help continue this journey. Uh, Christy, what are some of your thoughts on this slide as we're letting people do some work uh, in their living rooms?
2: Well, I'm doing the homework myself, so I'm I'm questioning what are the attributes of myself when I'm at my best. Um, so uh, so yeah, it's, it's I think it's a really great exercise, and I'm really excited to actually do this with my clients.
1: So yeah, let's take great. a pause then. Let like Jeff and Christy. I'm gonna challenge you one minute. Get at it. All right.
0: I had a head start, so I'll, I'll share some of my thoughts, Karen. I right. was writing as you were speaking, and you know, for, for myself, it's 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 really about uh, about not being owned by uh, by emotions. My worst days are where when I'm a slave to my emotions, and they control me. And I think emotions are really important, uh, but using them as as a guidepost and not as the conductor, I I think is a really important piece. And and when I'm at my best, I think I'm energetic, I'm calm, I'm present, and I'm thoughtful. And nothing is too important when I'm at my best. Even though the world could be crumbling around us, there's like this sense of calm, I, I, I suppose. And, 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 I, and I know when I, when I have good days in the last six, seven weeks, uh, some of the consistencies are that I planned my day. I've created some rules for how I'm going to behave and be available and how many meetings I will take in a day, for example. And then I've got discipline to actually stick to the plan that I created. I go into every day with a reasonable plan. I don't always stick to it for a variety of reasons, um, and I and I think open communication is another one. So the people that I that I work close, closely with understand what my personal rules are. So there's no mis, uh, misunderstandings about when I'm available or not.
1: Great, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. And it is. It's just kind of you know. It's as we say, is it is it, it, it it's within you. We just need to reveal it and then use it as our guide, right? So. Um, yeah, so, so once again, just an idea for people, um, you can use those attributes. You can, you can give yourself a bit of a scorecard by going from one to 10, where do I exist on this? Um, you know, like for that attribute of I plan my day from one to 10, where am I on that? Well, I'm a seven. This is what I can do to improve it, right? So you can, you can make a subjective objective scorecard if you need, so, so just a tool to use. So I'm just, I'm just noticing our time and whoa. Um, <laughs> so I'm gonna keep, uh, keep forging ahead here. It Sounds good. So Jeff, you served that up really well. And I think this is the thing, COVID-19 is on the forefront of everyone's mind. Um, and um, there's a lot of great information on the physical health, what we need to do, but we need to speak a little bit to our mental health and how we protect that. And so when we look at the emotional um, roller coaster that we on, it's super normal. When we think about the change in, in environments, the constant influx of information, wow. The uncertain futures ahead, and so I think the key is to be really aware of your emotions and um, be able to to. Once again, like you said, we don't want them to drive our behavior, but actually inform us of what I need. So as I put these, these emotions on this list, have a look at um, what is relevant to you. Um, when you look at one of the words um, that you've been experiencing, I want you to use two things. And this is Susan David's work, but number one, compassion. Yeah, this is my emotions doing their job um, and I'm reacting normally. So my emotion is normal and valid. And number two, um, what's the data? What is this emotion telling me about what I need? So for example, with anxiety, well, I need to feel safe and secure. That's a human need. How do I go about doing that? And I can tell you buying all the toilet paper is not probably the productive way to go about that. But our emotions will drive us into these different behaviors. So that's where the work of Susan David and emotional agility is so important. Um, And Susan David, she's a great TED talk. There's a book on emotional agility. I'd highly recommend Uh, Harvard researcher, uh, renowned psychologist. Um, And really emotional agility is that ability to experience our full range of, of, of human experience and emotions um, with that compassion, they're normal and valid and with that curiosity. So really using our emotions as data, they're informing me of what I need. So to sit with that and, and call that mind that out, but not as the director. So as a leader, if you, you might feel you need to micromanage a bit more or maybe you're a little bit more irritable and snappy, that's emotion driven behavior. We actually want um, brand driven behavior, which we'll be speaking to in a moment. Um, and so let's look at a few ways to protect our mental health. And once again, there's a gazillion things out there. There's some resources, but these are kind of the the, the takeaways that I'd want you to kind of think about that emotional agility, um, name the emotion, accept the emotion, understand what it's trying to tell you. Okay. Controlling the controllables. We've heard this a lot, but it's really around, um, you know, this is a time to double down on those skills. And it's really the stress management strategies. So what do we need to do to protect our physical health? We know the, the distancing and all those kind of things. What do we need to do to manage the stress? Um, connecting with people, uh, whether it's virtually, uh, making sure we're getting some outdoor therapy into those walks, making sure we're calming the system and breathing, uh, all those kind of things. So instead of looking at what I can't do, what is within my immediate control? Inspired optimism. So our brain, there's a place called the amygdala, and it's going to light up depending on um, um, uh, when when we experience threat and danger. We want to balance that with what's good. So if we start to scan our world for what's good, that'll actually calm that response down a bit. So searching for three good things a day and writing them down, Martin Seligman did a study and we found improved happiness, improved well-being, and improved optimism, as an example. And then calm and connect we are all heightened a little bit. So 15 to 18, and I don't know why it was in some study, deep belly breaths, right? To kick in that calming system and connect not necessarily to a person, but to yourself. Create that space, take that pause, practice mindfulness. There's one tool right now, uh, mindfulness, um, and there's multiple apps out there. uh, We have it within ours as well. So that's a little bit in terms of how we can protect our mental health. Let's look at how we can and and Jeff I'm just going to keep going so we get through this and we can go to questions is that okay?
0: Yep, that sounds okay. great and we do have quite a bit of questions come quite a few questions coming in so that'll be awesome and I want to okay. remind everyone get your questions into the Q&A box it's that private box down beside the chat box.
1: Okay, cool. So I'll just I'll run through the rest of this and then and then sounds we'll get to questions. Okay. okay. Um so, so really, in terms of how do we optimize the performance, how do we excel? Um, and once again, there's multiple things, but I'm just going to cover three quick things with you. Clear on your brand, tool of hardiness, and energy management. So if we look at brand, it's really around those characteristics that are unique or distinct to you. It begs that question, how do you want to show up consistently? If we had the virtual water cooler, which is what we do, how would your direct... Reports, what attributes, what descriptors would they be using for you? Right? So that starts to become our brand. And this is uh, an unprecedented event. Um, It's a historic crisis. And so we have a once in a lifetime opportunity to elevate our brand, the Queen of England, she did this, like, you know, address this, this, she's 90 years old, and she challenged us and she said, you know, after all this is over, I hope you're proud of how you responded to this situation. Um, Mark Cuban also talked about um, how organizations and leaders respond to this will define their brand for decades. So there's a real opportunity here. And what happens is we have Red Brain where we get insular, or distracted, overloaded, and that leads to that emotion-driven behavior. And we have blue brain, where we're mindful, we're poised, we're calm. And this is not an all-or-nothing thing. We oscillate. Knowing your brand helps to ground you in terms of how you want to show up. So when we look at that, for me, I've identified it as, as um, you know, being calm, being grounded, being proactive, and, and, and being informative. And so... I'm not, my husband upstairs will tell you, I'm not always that way internally or externally, but I, when I think, okay, grounded, then it helps guide my behaviors. For you guys at home, what do you want your brand to be as a leader? What are three descriptors of your personal brand? So I just want you to quick, and we're just, I'm not even gonna give much time, just 30 seconds, three descriptors of how you want to show up in this environment. Once, you're, once you've had those descriptors, rank yourself one to 10. 10, awesome, one El Succo. That's a technical um, evaluation. And <laughs> so uh, make sure you kind of see, and, and it's not as an evaluative thing, it's more of monitoring. I was at a two on con last Thursday. We, I needed a break, we, we um, ended up uh, making sure that we did a lot of things as a family over the weekend. I just unplugged. So it was just a guideline for me. Okay, so know your brand. Hardiness, hardiness is the ability to endure difficult conditions. Um, It's the work of um, Suzanne Cabasa and Paul Baritone. Paul Baritone has just written a book on hardiness, recommend that one as well. Um, But he did a lot of work in the military and found hardiness is a stress buffer, okay? So it helps to kind of create a buffer between the ill effects of stress. Um, And so they talk about the three C's of hardiness. Number one, commitment. And so this is asking yourself, you can ask yourself this question, why endure these difficult conditions? And that's, I think, Jeff, what you're talking to, people are going, okay, what's the point? And so what you need to do, if we, if we lock into Simon Sinek's work, um, when his work on finding your why, he really talks about core contributions and impact. So when you're identifying your commitments, um, as a leader, what is my core contribution right now? Right? So for me, it's to organize. I'm leading a charge of, of um, psychologists across the country to help sport. And it's, it's kind of create some coordination and alignment. It's to provide information and support people. And then it's to help individuals navigate this. Um, if I do those things, what impact could that have? So those are two questions when you're figuring out your commitment. What are the core contributions and what is the impact? Control. So much outside of our control. What's in your control is anything inside your skin. Create your control plan on a daily basis. What is the attitude I need today? What is the mindset or the thoughts I need today? What is the behaviors I need today and where am I gonna put my efforts, right? So just think about that. Thoughts, attitude, behavior, efforts. Create your control plan. Challenge. So our brain, we look at threats and danger. Well, what's the opportunity? And this is the thing. I've I've talked to the athletes, I've talked to leaders. The one who can figure this out and actually get a competitive advantage because of these conditions is the one that's going to be ahead of the game. So, so really thinking about what's the opportunity um, in this situation for growth and learning, for teams, for family, all those kind of things. And we've added a bonus C, um, which is connect. And connect is, um, you know, it's that whole idea of perceived support. Um, And so get your internal board of directors. So identify the needs. So I need maybe technical support. I need emotional support. I need financial support. There's gonna be a different person that I'm gonna go to. They don't know they're on my internal board of directors, but I I go to them. And then lastly, um, sorry, yeah, so connect. And then, um, so when you develop your hardiness plan, you can go through all of those ones or you can just pull out one of the C's. then lastly, just quickly, really briefly, energy management. I don't need to go much into this more so into the philosophy on um, it's not the stress and demand. It's the lack of intermittent recovery and no, so important right now, right? So important. So create your energy management action plan by looking at the pillars of recovery. Um, move often, um, make sure we're exercising and getting movement breaks. I'll go up and down my stairs with my seven-year-old um, for five minutes and then I get back to work. Eat for energy. Make sure that we have the, um, um, our brain is the most energy demanding organ. Feed it. So make sure you're eating throughout and brain healthy foods. Sleep. Um, I think we've all heard about that. And then connect. Once again, more so connect to what you're passionate about. I went mountain biking last weekend. It was awesome, amazing recovery, right? Those kind of things.
0: Yeah, that's that's excellent, Karen. Thank you. And you know, going back to the hardiness, uh, the hardiness um, uh, information there. Last week, I had both my worst day and my best day, and the difference was on the worst day, I had back to back to back Zoom meetings, and I felt like the wires in my brain were going to start to smoke and the second on the on the best day and which was happened to be the very next day was a day that uh we spent uh, a good portion of the evening delivering meals to our staff in the city Mm -hmm. and so the lesson there is there uh, you know gratitude is an amazing antidote and and Mm -hmm. so is serving others and i and i if i could just give one piece of advice to people is if you're feeling just if it's you're having a bad day Look for things that you can be grateful for, and, but then more so take some action to help somebody else. And yeah, you have to force yourself to take that action, but once you do, I can, I can almost guarantee you're gonna feel better. Um, so we have some questions coming in, so keep right. them coming in the Q&A. Uh, Bill Black uh, from the, Canadian Cons- or the Calgary Construction Association does a great one here. Uh, so in a group where some develop resiliency at a different rate, how do we avoid leaving some people uh, behind uh, and then not frustrating those that are further ahead?
1: Yeah, that's a really good, good point. And and I think that's where you need to meet people where they're at. So, so depending on the resilience training that you have for them, and that's where, you know, once again, how, how, you know, I'll just take the model and we've developed it just for these things is it's a personalized approach. It's choose your own adventure. It's go to these skills that are most relevant to you. um, And, and you can navigate that. So I think the first thing is to acknowledge we're all at a different place here and it's not good or bad. It's just different. And so saying, here are some things for, for some of you, but also um, supporting those who, who might not uh, be as far ahead, but also it's checking in, what do you need, right? Versus making the assumption. So it's, it's making sure you're asking those questions. Christy?
2: Yeah, I, and I think I would add to that, Karen, That that there's the opportunity for leaders to go first by kind of modeling the way and perhaps sharing like Jeff just did, for example, how they're having good days and bad days as well. So sort of kind of creating safety for their team to also be more open about it.
1: Absolutely. Um, um, and this is, this is, you know, when you look at some of the great leaders of building culture um, is it's really being clear on on that vision but also um acknowledging that we're in this together and this is my reaction like we don't like and that's the misnomer of resilience is this tough and you know rumble no i i had a crying fit you know a couple days ago and that's okay that's just where i was right so so it's acknowledging some of those things yeah
0: yeah uh, absolutely um uh, tracy uh, oh, sorry christy go ahead
1: yeah i just so
2: one of the, the conversations that's been happening amongst my leader circles karen is now with the remote work environment, it's harder to know when people aren't doing well because they're, they're likely the ones that aren't showing up for the team virtual happy hours. And they're, you wouldn't notice they're, if they're absent from work and you wouldn't necessarily notice when they're disengaged. So what are the things that we could and should be looking for that might kind of tweak us and let, let us know that we need to, to reach out?
1: Great question, and I've gotten this quite a bit, um, where I think partly is using those senses. So is there any change in behavior? What are you noticing? If you're not showing up to those virtual happy hours, but you'd typically be an individual that would, right? So um, I think it's, it's more looking at what do you see, change in behavior, what do I hear? What's the tone in some of these things? And I think the best way is ask them right? So this is where we actually need to have more team huddles. So, you know, I know a lot of um, leaders will have a five minute huddle um, on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And and one of the team members will pose a question, um, how are you managing homeschooling with your kid or what have you? And and they just check in. It's what's good. What's the challenge, right? So I think that piece and then the individual connection and those touch points, you probably need to have a little bit more of the one on one um, if time allows for it.
0: Yeah, Thank that's you. excellent. And, and it's related to, related to this discussion, but uh, Tracy Albert's got a question. Can you sort of give some advice on how a, a resilient leader can help to reassure, coach, and bring along a staff member that seems to be spinning uh, in a, du- a disillusionment phase?
1: Yeah, and so once again, when I, when I hear kind of the disillusion and, and not having, like having a narrative that doesn't match the, the reality of the situation, and I think the biggest thing, the very first thing, validation validation does not mean you're agreeing with the person it means they feel heard and understood so if someone is disillusioned and, and going to this world you know something like i see um you're feeling very overwhelmed by this yeah it's a hard situation and then focusing on the facts so what we know is bum bum ba." you know that kind of thing and then i think in those kind of scenarios because i think what we don't want to do is invalidate anyone's experience because that's their experience that's how they're viewing the world um, we also don't want to collude with that vision either just to make them feel better right so so I think it's validating the emotional experience kind of naming it and and, and identifying it uh, focusing on the facts this is what we know and then checking in how you doing you know like how can I support you right so yeah. so it's just and meeting them where they're at if they're saying I'm fine I'm fine um, okay, but you might want to say, well, here's the EAP number or what have you, depending on.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's great advice, Karen. And in the theme of acknowledgement, I actually, I posted an article this morning on LinkedIn and Twitter that there's some, uh, there's some science around if, if you try to sort of bury your stress and ignore it and sweep it under the rug, it stays in your, uh, your uh, amygdala. And so your brain keeps reminding you about it. It keeps checking in with you to see if you're okay. But if we can sort of bring it to the forefront, it even shifts the part of the brain that it is. It's in one of the cortexes, Aaron, uh, uh, Karen, but I'll let you yeah. do any sort of commentary on that.
1: Well, there's a, there was a quote by, I'm just trying to, I can't, I'm trying to remember it, but um, what's, uh, what you resist persists, right? right? So this is by one of the famous psychologists. And this is what Susan Davis' work says. You know, she interviewed 70,000 people. We do two things with difficult um, experiences. We, we, we bottle them. And we put them under the rug and we say, no, I'm good. Everything's good. Um, and we don't attend to it or we brood on them, right? We get stuck in that emotion. And so once again with that is it's that whole thing of that connection. It's like, okay, what am I feeling? Acknowledging and saying, yeah, this is valid. This is just my emotions doing their job. What do I need? And letting that kind of inform and guide behavior. It's when we dismiss um, the experience that then what we try to do is get soothed through this behavior. So I, if, if I need control, I do all these funky things subconsciously to try and get that sense of some control versus um, attending to the emotion at hand.
0: Right. That's good. You had a slide at the beginning that showed the uh, the uptick in demand uh, in, the, in the call center for, uh, for CMHA uh, going up to 700 calls a day. And, I think here, here's something that I think most of us are dealing with is that we're trying to get work done with, with fewer capacity. There's the stress of the situation and then there's the sort of the anxiety and the stress and the overload of all of the technology. And the reality is we can't help everybody. How do we pick who we help and who we don't? How do we how to create an environment where we still feel like we're showing up for people despite the, the increased demands on, our, on ourselves?
1: Yeah, good question. And that is the thing is we really need to, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd ask that question is, um, you know, partly what are what are the needs that are emerging here? And where can I have the most impact? Where can I focus my energy and my attention and my effort that's actually gonna produce a result or produce, hence results, um, produce something there. So I, I, and I think that's all also acknowledging there's an overwhelm of everything. You can't read it all. You can't do it all. Um, and so it's really looking at, and once again, I think that's why framing, who am I at a high performance or as a resilient leader? Um, and and are, my, are my actions activities guided towards that? In addition to what are our deliverables? What are our objectives here? Given the situation, what um, activity is gonna have the most impact on that? Um, I think individuals, you just have to be creative in those team check-ins and and really, you know, offering what you can, but creating the boundary for what you can't as well and making sure you're referring them on to different resources. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's one of the reasons we started this uh, uh, this show is we want to help people uh, just show up for their education source. And so that's why we want to encourage them to, to get their teams to sign up for this so they can partake in the same conversation and then they can sort of evaluate it and discuss it and debrief it after. Uh, Christy, you have a question.
2: Yeah, actually, just going back to the Q&A, there's so many great questions in here. Thank you for those of you that are submitting them. Uh, Lisa Wells was asking, does risk taking play any role in resilience?
1: Um, y- yes. And so the thing is, is when we look at, you know, that that section on hardiness and it's 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 Building that bravery and and so really it's it's stepping into that courage zone versus being in your comfort zone. When our brains are very conservative, they're they're going to want to say stay small, stay safe. And so, you know, and I, I think the thing is like risk taking when I hear that word, I'm thinking of these, um, you know, the the um X games athletes that I have that it's like, okay, we got to, you know, keep a, keep a bit of a, a container on some, um, but others, the risk-taking or, or, or once again, um, stepping into opportunities to expand yourself, calculate it, then that's appropriate. So, so yeah, I think a resilient individual, um, because they feel equipped, they can let the experience unfold versus need it to, um, need to have so much control over, um, mapping out and predicting the outcome.
0: Excellent, and I want to encourage people that are posting questions in the Q and A. If we don't have a chance to answer them live, is email them to info at unleashresults.com, and we promise we'll get back to you promptly. Uh, as we're as we're coming to sort of the end of the the end of the episode, Karen, <clears throat> there's been some great information that's been shared here today. How does somebody just get started? How do we take a step? So, what would be sort of two or three things that you would suggest could just get us inching? Uh, uh, um, uh, towards this, this path of being the resilient leader?
1: Um, well, of course I'm going to suggest headversity training. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Absolutely. really Im- info at headversity, Karen at headversity.com. And really, I think giving yourself a platform and education, I think, um, you know, outside of a formalized program, starting with yourself, um, and, and, and knowing what your needs are, uh, uh really connecting with that piece. And then lastly, like opportunity to skill build to resource build and where you would go, I'd really start with that mindfulness training. Um, I would start with um, with with really around the um, um, building your brand and really knowing how you want to show up, as I've mentioned within this. Um, and and I think once again, um, making sure you're aware of where you exist on that mental health continuum, if you're finding you're down more days, it's really hard to get going, reach out to support. Uh, This is the time to do it and make sure you're getting yourself uh, equipped.
0: Excellent, Christy?
1: I don't
2: know, do we have time for any more questions, Jeff?
0: No, we don't. I just wondered if you had another comment to follow up Karen's. Excellent. Karen, I wanna thank you so much for joining us. Uh, just your, your willingness to, to, uh, to come on the show today and, and give back to the community is, is really commendable and, and we really admire it and we admire you. Uh, I also wanna remind the community, when you click out of, the, uh, out of the session today, hit the continue button at the bottom left so you can provide us with some feedback. I have to tell you that the way that the community has embraced these episodes is a source of inspiration and resilience for our entire team. So we take a great deal of pride in providing something of value for you, so please give us feedback, what you love, what we need to change, topics and suggestions, and we also want to provide an opportunity for you to continue the conversation. And so uh, we have a leadership team resiliency workshop. It's a $2,000 workshop, and we're just, in, in light of what's happening, we're making that available at no cost. And that's for executive and management teams. So please click the box if you want more information on that in the feedback form and uh, share us all your stories, <clears throat> all your questions, uh, and, and any insights that you have at info at UnleashResults.com. And we're looking forward to seeing you next week. We've been spending a lot of time looking internally in the first four episodes. Next week, we're going to be joined by Megan Burns, who is a customer loyalty expert, and she's worked with some of the world's fastest growing, most well-known brands. And how do we create customer loyalty and world-class customer experiences like Disney, for example, in any environment? And then what has changed in this period of social distancing and, uh, and remote work? So you don't want to miss that. Uh, you'll be able to sign up with that uh, for that uh, as soon as you click off of this webinar and we'll have emails coming out tomorrow and social media posts of course so thank you so much everybody for joining us what a great conversation and a reminder to our clients to stay uh with us for the next 30 minutes on the other link that we provided you for unleashed overtime a special opportunity for our client to spend uh some time additional time with dr karen mcneil wishing everybody well and resolve and uh, resilience now in, uh, in this period of, uh, of the crisis with COVID-19.